Are you a Christian who wants to go deeper into the roots of your faith? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Grafted, Jewish Roots of Christianity. This is a podcast for Christians who want to understand the Jewishness of Jesus and his word. I'm your host, Stephanie Pavlantos. I'm a bit of a Bible nerd. I'm also an author and a Bible teacher. In this podcast, we will stretch and maybe even challenge you to look at Scripture from a Hebraic point of view. We want to help you understand Scripture through the lens of the Hebrew language, culture, and history. Thank you for joining us. Welcome today. We have Dr. Sam Nadler. Just to give you a little bit of his background, he is a Jewish believer in Jesus. He is an author and speaker, and he is the president and founder of Word of Messiah Ministries. So welcome to our show today, and I appreciate you being here. Shalom, Stephanie. Great to be here. Thank you. Would you mind explaining a little bit of the Word of Messiah Ministries to us and our listeners? Sure. Uh, well, the primary mission of Word of Messiah Ministries is to bring the good news to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That being said, the most effective long-term uh, ministry to the Jewish people is through the healthy Messianic congregation. And so we plant Messianic congregations worldwide. Uh, we do this in a number of different ways. Uh, We are personally involved in such work, certainly doing it ourselves. Uh, I disciple people. Our congregations are discipleship-oriented, Talmudut-oriented. And so we train up people from within the congregations to go out and plant new ones. Also, we have seminars, conferences. Uh, We have a couple coming up in the near future. We do this regularly, ordinarily, where we're training new planters to plant new, healthy, messianic congregations. And I I want to emphasize healthy uh, because that's going to be the effective witness. Yeshua said, they'll know you're my disciples. You have love one for another. And so the healthy congregation is going to be the most effective witness. And the messianic congregation is the most effective long-term witness to the Jewish community to demonstrate how Jews come to faith in Yeshua and maintain their Jewish identity. Uh, You know, it's a seamless garment, so to speak. But also the congregations uh, reflect uh, what the book of Ephesians teaches, uh, that Jew and Gentile are one. And so we have Gentiles, Mm -hmm. we reach out uh, to our communities Mm -hmm. uh, as effectively as we can. And what that means is that uh, we reach everyone. The good news is for everybody. And so we have Gentiles who become part of our community, but they, along with Jewish believers, are discipled in Messianic values. Uh, So that the Gentile believers, like yourself, are able to effectively share the good news with Jewish uh, people and disciple uh, Jewish believers as well. And so this is how that works in regards to our main mission. Hmm. Now, Along with that, my heart is deeply burdened for my brothers and sisters in the churches. I say that because I believe that what Paul taught uh, is that the Gentile believers are called to the Jew first uh, and also to the Gentile, that they have a 
uh, a unique calling upon them uh, to make Israel jealous for Yeshua. Uh, and so we go into a lot of teaching on that. I'm, I'm invited to speak in churches most every week. Uh, and in doing so, I give teaching and training relative to the calling of the churches to reach out to the Jewish people uh, and to use their liberty in Messiah, not for non-Jewish traditions, but in order to be more effective to reach the Jewish people. So that's in, in, a, in a nutshell, and you know what's in a nutshell, a nut. Mm-hmm. Uh, but nonetheless, <laughs> briefly, that's, that's what our mission is and how we go about doing our, our work. Okay, that sounds wonderful. I came to know you through Besora Institute, and this is our first time talking, but I've heard so many good things about you and so much about your ministry. And on your website, you do have a lot of um, videos and whatnot, even articles that people can go to and really get an idea of what you do, but also more in-depth about your teaching on the on scripture and how this all fits together because we we are meant to be one man and we are meant to be um unified in our belief in the messiah but you do make a point that a lot of times um or you may not said this this is probably my paraphrase but it seems like we can leave in our in our christian churches we can kind of leave out those messianic portions of scripture messianic root of that israel brings to us and helps us to understand and i think that's important and and you make a point in one of the articles i read that we shouldn't leave that out of our congregational teaching out of our the teaching of the church no no uh, i uh one one thing i often tell my brothers and sisters uh in the churches is that they're being shortchanged they're missing out mm-hmm. on many of the blessings that God has for them uh, by not understanding the issues of Shabbat, not understanding the matters of the festivals, not appreciating mm-hmm. uh, their divine calling uh, to reach out to the Jewish people, uh, that they're actually being shortchanged. Uh, and they wonder, how could this possibly be? You know, uh, Because in the church, they love the Bible. You know, they love the Bible. How can, how can it be that we're missing out on that? And I have to explain to right. them uh, the problems of history. You know, there's a historical dimension to this matter, uh, because after the apostles left the scene, after the Shalachim, the apostles left the scene, uh, a whole lot of leaders entered into the body who did not carry with them uh, the same understanding that the apostles taught and what the New Testament, the Brith Hadashah, what the New Covenant actually has. And they brought in other traditions, uh, which uh, unfortunately are not weaned out because what happened, as you're probably very familiar with, Stephanie, but maybe our, some of our listeners may not be, uh, the fact that uh, in the second, third, fourth, fifth centuries, there developed an anti-Jewish posture where all things Jewish were not merely suspect, but prohibited. Uh, and they intentionally uh, um, 
uh, moved out of the body all those elements that were essential for the body of Messiah to fulfill its calling to reach the Jewish people with the good news. Uh, and so uh, this historical problem, which was uh, addressed to a certain degree in the Reformation, when it came back to literal interpretation, uh, when the reformers uh, actually said we're saved uh, by the blood of Yeshua, we're saved by grace through faith, and someone said to them, what makes you say such a radical thing? And they would say, well, that's what the Bible says. So as soon as you say that's what the Bible says, you're now back to a literal or natural interpretation of the scriptures. Uh, and that every generation moved that forward. Uh, you know, the following generation recognized immersion uh, was for believers only. Uh, the next generation, uh, 1700s, you have Carrie going to India uh, to bring the good news to the lost people. Uh, so the missionary movement began. And then in the 1800s, in looking at the Bible, literally, they said, well, look at that. God doesn't hate the Jews. (laughs) And the first Jewish ministries began. And so with literal interpretation, we now come to the day we're in now, where we now realize uh, that every Shabbat Yeshua was in synagogue, Luke 4, 16, uh, that we realize that he... You know, WWYD, what would Yeshua do? Uh, he would keep uh, he, he would keep Hanukkah, it turns out, in John chapter 10, 22. And so <laughs> these elements right. were overlooked because of the anti-Jewish posture. And so Bible churches now, churches that love the Bible, quite frankly, still carry with them some of the residual effects of that anti-Jewish posture in how they interpret the scriptures. And so it's not uh, to the Jew first understanding. Uh, And so it's my privilege uh, to be able to share with my brothers and sisters uh, in churches around the world about their calling. Uh, Because I actually believe that the Gentile believer is God's sacred, but maybe secret weapon. I don't want it to be a secret weapon. I believe it's a sacred weapon uh, to make Israel jealous, uh, to bring the good news to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so that's why I I want my brothers and sisters in churches to be edified uh, in this ministry and for their calling as well. Wow, that's so good because... I have done some reading on that, and even in the sense that I I read somewhere that when a Jewish person wanted to come to faith back in those early years of our church fathers, they had to basically relinquish all their Jewishness to know the Messiah or to to know Jesus, um, to come to Jesus, because, of course, we leave out that. I know somebody who said that um, to hear the word Christ kind of bothers her because even though it's a Greek translation, you know, to them, Messiah is the word to use because it's, yeah. he's the Messiah. Yeah. He's a Jewish yeah, Messiah. It's a, it's a communications issue. 
In other words, uh, you know who you're talking to by the language you use. Uh, and so back in the early, uh, late 1800s and early 1900s, uh, missionaries from Germany would go to Africa and teach the natives German so they could pray to God. Wow. Now that seems ridiculous, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was the thinking. And so what happens regarding Jewish people is that the expression of faith, uh, which is uh, maybe uh, kind of not even noticed by Gentiles because it's their, of course, it's a Gentile culture, culture in the churches. Uh, they don't notice that. Uh, but Jewish people understand you're not speaking to us. Mm-hmm. You're not talking to us. What you want us to do is learn your church jargon for Gentiles mm-hmm. for us to know Messiah and fit in. Uh, no, that's, that's, not, that, that's not correct. Uh, we don't have to be able to say Christ in order to fit in. We can say Mashiach or Messiah. Uh, we don't have to say church. We can say congregation or synagogue. Uh, these mm-hmm. are perfectly biblical words. Uh, right. These are matters that have to do with the body of Messiah understanding how far from, the, from their calling they have come because they want the Jews to become Gentile cultured to fit in to the body. I beg your pardon. Uh, Paul says, uh, I've written a number of books, Stephanie, and they go to wordofmessiah.org. Uh, they'll see a number of the writings I have that is meant to help birth, uh, our brothers and sisters to understand this matter more adequately. Uh, and so uh, when we understand the issue of, of this calling and what Paul I mean, the apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, you know, we may wonder why did God make such a poor personnel decision by having this Jewy Jew go to the Gentiles? That's because Paul was able to explain to the Gentile believers their calling to help them understand their calling to the Jew first. You know, it's a false dichotomy. Uh, that has been made between Peter and Paul. That somehow Peter uh, was for the Jewish people to reach the Jewish people, and that Paul was uh, to only reach the Gentiles. Well, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's false. That's just false. No, Paul understood to the Jew first was his calling. Right. But nonetheless, he understood that Messiah uh, wanted the Gentiles to be discipled when they come to faith to then be discipled to reach out to the Jewish people. And so I may have got a little off target there, uh, but nonetheless, uh, this is a vitally important matter uh, for Gentile believers uh, to kind of discuss, uh, you know, not to be afraid of, not to feel threatened by, Mm -hmm. uh, but to discuss and understand that, you know, uh, God loves Gentiles. God does not want Gentiles to become Jews. Right. He loves, you know, God's an equal opportunity savior. Uh, he loves everybody. And he loves us the way we are. Uh, but he wants us to be effective in our calling. Now, what that means is to recognize 
that the liberty we have in Messiah is to fulfill our calling, not our comforts, not our conveniences, not our cultural preferences, but to fulfill our calling. So our liberty gives us that flex space in order, you know, because they're secular Jews and, and religious Jews. Uh, it's that flex space that Paul speaks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. To those under the law as under the law. Uh, to those secular Jews without law as without law. Uh, and so to be able to reach Jewish people where they're at. We need that flex space, that's the liberty we have in Messiah, uh, to be more effective in our calling, not to use our liberty to justify our own comforts, our conveniences, or cultural preferences. Mm -hmm. uh, that is something that's an abuse of our liberty. And so we teach on that as well. And the books I've written on the matter address these issues uh, quite directly. Uh, and uh, I would make, let me mention a couple of books. Uh, now, there's a lot of articles they can read, a lot of blog posts, a lot of, there's a lot of, lot of things just to get freely, uh, uh, all kinds of things for them to enjoy just by going on our website, wordofmessiah.org. Uh, but there are some books there that go into depth on each of these matters uh, in regards to uh, the simplest thing uh, about my identity as a Jewish man, mm. but yet a fervent, fervent follower of Yeshua. Uh, I, in my book, uh, the Messianic Answer book, I give an apologetic, I got my doctorate in apologetics, I give a, a defense of why Jewish people uh, should remain Jewish upon coming to faith in Yeshua on the basis that it's to the Jew first. Uh, and therefore, God wants Jewish believers to maintain their identity, if nothing else, for the sake of effective witness uh, back to the, their families and community accordingly. And then in other books, in Messianic Discipleship book about making disciples. And so Gentile believers are taught how they can disciple Jewish believers to maintain their identity while the Gentile believers fulfill their calling as well. Uh, and then uh, in a very uh, 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 little bit headier book uh, called Messianic Foundations, I go into how uh, the Jewish people, God is showing his faithfulness to the Jew first, uh, and his calling upon the Gentiles, how it all comes together through the Brith Hadashah, the New Covenant, how it all comes together uh, in order to fulfill the calling that Jewish believers and Gentile believers have as we utilize Shabbat, as we utilize the various expressions of faith to be effective in our calling. Uh, and then, of course, uh, in my book, uh, uh, The Israel Factor, uh, quite honestly, Stephanie, uh, I, uh, I wrote a book, The Israel Factor, that goes through uh, what is taught in seminary, the 10 major doctrines. And I show how the Israel factor, how factoring Israel back into the picture, God never factored them out. But some of us have. 
but factoring them back in helps us appreciate the doctrines we hold to much more fully, much more beautifully. It just seems like a fulfillment of the very doctrines uh, that we appreciate. And then, of course, uh, my latest book, uh, Messiah in the End Times, uh, shows how everything is based upon the finished work of Messiah. You know, Yeshua, uh, as you mentioned, he went only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and instructed his disciples to do likewise until the resurrection. Because he had to make his case that he is truly the Jewish Messiah. He couldn't uh, water down the gene pool, so to speak, uh, just yet, uh, simply because he had to make the case that he's truly the Jewish Messiah going to the Jew first. Uh, and so now he calls us to do likewise. And so in regards to Messiah in the end times and the whole prophetic program that God has, uh, it's all based upon the finished work of Yeshua. That's why there's nothing else no other event we have to wait for before the resurrection of the body takes place uh, because the finished work of Messiah is God's perfect work for us. But the way that perfect work, that finished work, uh, the death and burial and resurrection of Yeshua, how that is expressed is to the Jew first, mm-hmm. just like Yeshua. Uh, and so we want to understand we're followers of him And so to the Jew first shows we're followers of him and reaching out to the Gentiles shows indeed the fullness of the calling, uh, what God did uh, in, in, uh, you know, when he called Abraham and made that wonderful Abrahamic covenant uh, with with the Jewish people, he had in there uh, that in his seed, the, the nations of the earth would be blessed. So it was always God's intention to the Jew first to also be equally to the Gentiles. Uh, this is the great mystery Paul explains and, and what we try to do in our work uh, and even in this interview a little bit. Yeah, so that's really good information because a few things that you mentioned, just even about seminaries, I think that I had read that up until about a hundred years ago, seminaries used a very anti-Semitic book in, in some of their courses. And they, you know, it since has been removed, but but I don't think that people understand that some of the anti-Semitic views have been passed down through centuries in within the church. And we don't understand them. We don't see them that way because it's just it's tradition for us. And and we also don't understand why, right. you know, um, I had somebody ask me, Stephanie, I have a friend who wants to do all these Jewish feasts and she's going to this other couple and she's doing these feasts. And 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 I just see that as a waste of time, in a sense, she goes, because we should be out there evangelizing. We should be out there spreading the good news and speaking about the good news. And and I said, well. You know, I tried to explain in my limited knowledge that, you know, when you do these, these feasts are all about the Messiah. It's all about learning who the Messiah is and what he has done. And so I think there's confusion on both sides, because then you have 
we have a very dear Jewish friend who is Orthodox, and, and he says, um, well, I'm the chosen, I'm part of the chosen people, so I'm going to heaven no matter what, because I'm the chosen, you know, I'm from the jo- chosen faith, the chosen people. And so I think that, you know, you can get yeah. these opinions yeah, yeah. on both sides of the coin that are polar opposites, but it's it's kind of coming into the middle somewhere yes. to understand there's a balance. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right uh, in what you're saying. Uh, the festivals are not only for worship, but for witness. Mm. Uh, so we want to appreciate it as a both and, not an either or. Right. Because they genuinely point us to Yeshua to glorify him. But on the other hand, they're also a testimony of the redemptive work. The body of Messiah does not does not know, they're not taught in seminary, that the festivals of Israel are God's uh, redemptive program in outline form. Mm. Uh, so they don't know how uh, all, the, uh, the, all the festivals of Israel are meant to point to Yeshua in his finished work and how that will be applied with the fall festivals, the application of that in the fall festivals. Mm. And so they, they're not taught these matters. They don't know about these matters. Right. Uh, and so when we think about these issues, you want to think about the festivals as a both and. Uh, but that's only, that's only relevant if you understand your calling. Mm. And so Gentile believers, and we have people who come to our various the congregations we planted all over, uh, and, you know, we'll have Gentile believers who come up to us and say, you know, I was reading in the Bible, and do you know Jesus celebrated Passover? <laughs> and so I should be part of a Messianic congregation. And I will say, well, you should be part of a Messianic congregation, but not merely because Jesus celebrated Passover. You have to understand uh, the issues regarding why he celebrated Passover, why you should be celebrating Passover, uh, both for worship and for witness. Uh, you have to understand your calling, otherwise you become a legalist. Mm-hmm. You'll utilize those festivals in some way to perform some righteousness in thinking you keeping Shabbat, and that somehow in doing so you gain a righteousness in doing so is totally wrong. Mm. All of our righteousness is in Yeshua. It's just everything's in Yeshua. In him we are complete. And so the Gentile believers sometimes get the wrong message, you know, yes. <laughs> somehow, you know, that they're, they're somehow completing their righteousness or something. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> we do this wonderful worship and wonderful witness uh, for the sake of our calling. And so they need to understand their calling to the Jew first to make Israel jealous and how the festivals and Shabbat are helpful in communicating that. Uh, to Jewish people and others as well, and others as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so this is vitally important stuff. Yes. And in the seminaries, uh, you know, um, I know I have some very dear friends uh, who strain at the gnat to get seminaries to think this way. But unfortunately, most seminaries are based upon uh, the churches that support them. Mm-hmm the denominations that support them, 
uh, to get the students to fill the chairs. Right. And so they have to pay off on that. Right. They have to pay off on what the churches expect these people to learn to come back and pastor those churches. Right. And so I understand. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. And so it's, 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 it's difficult. It's difficult. I remember uh, not too long ago, I spoke in a seminar, I was asked to speak in a seminar. And uh, uh, and so I, I, I gave this message, and the whole seminary was there. And all the students loved it. All the professors hated it mm. because it kind of conflicted with some of the things uh, that go on. It is. You know, it, it, what they assume. Uh, in one school where I discipled some of the students, part of our community, going to that school, uh, there was a whole a whole crazy thing, uh, Balagan, as we say in Israel, a whole crazy thing that went on because the students were told that regardless of of worshiping on on Shabbat, on Saturday, they had to go to church on Sunday. And the students said, well, we have to work on Sunday to pay our bills, but we worship on Shabbat. Uh, you know, uh, in a Bible-believing and Yeshua-loving congregation. And the school said, no, you must be in church on Sunday. Well, that became a whole big deal, uh, where the school found itself painting themselves in a corner that they could not live up to. They could not justify it. There's no New Covenant teaching that says that. At all, there's no command to worship on Sunday. Right, right. <laughs> it's merely a tradition. It is. <laughs> and so professors were fired. Uh, it became such a wow. big deal because they were forced to confront their prejudices that were ingrained in their traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I call them, residual effects of the bad teaching, all the traditions that come out of the bad teaching. Uh, good teaching uh, should produce a lifestyle that reflects Scripture, mm-hmm. the values of Scripture. Right. But when you have right. bad teaching, you end up with a lifestyle that basically reflects tradition and not the truth. And so you have to be careful of that. And so many churches, as you mentioned, uh, assume that their traditions are, this is how Christians do things. Well, no, this is not exactly what the apostles taught, not what the New Covenant teaches, mm-hmm. and something they need to consider to discuss uh, and, and maybe look at this in, in a different light. Mm-hmm. And so we're all about, about that matter. That's yes, you you've made such good points, because one of the things that I I tell people, it's do you want tradition over truth? Because it's about the truth, not about just tradition. And as a Bible believing Christian who was brought up for generations in the church, you know, there's so many traditions and even even trying to explain to my grandmother once that when the um, kings came, the Magi came to Jesus. He wasn't a baby. He was a toddler. Um, that just was like, no, 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 no. That can't be true. He was a baby. 
all the pictures show he was a baby. He was in the manger, you know, and um, and just even something like that. And we don't know there were three. There, we we assume right. there were three gifts, so there must have been three kings. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. There's so many, and the, yeah, and there's so many. I think what is really cool, but that people don't realize it, especially people within the church, that the Jewish people coming to the Messiah is so beneficial for us as Christians because of the knowledge they bring, the understanding of the scriptures that they bring and can teach us if we're willing to get past the traditions of our faith and get to the truth. You know, let me mention something about that, if I might. Sure. Uh, one, about tradition. Uh, all tradition is good when it reflects the truth of scripture. Right. I understand that. All tradition is very suspect and probably bad when it replaces the truth of scripture. Now that deals with whether it's Christian tradition or Jewish tradition or American traditions, you know, uh, as, it would, as the case may be. Because Jewish tradition was developed many times not necessarily based on the clear teaching of scripture. Uh, it was based on the teaching of the rabbis relative to other matters that they had to deal with. Uh, quite frankly, uh, they had a lot of different issues they were struggling with. When we came out of the Babylonian exile, uh, we developed certain traditions because we were concerned about God punishing us again for breaking the Torah, you know, uh, not giving the land its Sabbaths and things like that. And so traditions right. were developed, uh, so to speak, uh, to make it the Torah mm -hmm. more user-friendly. Uh, uh, and they got further and further away from it. So you have to be careful and evaluate all traditions relative what the Bible teaches, uh, etc. Uh, and so this is something to, for a discussion on that matter. Uh, and I know, uh, I know that uh, if people could understand it, uh, if they could understand it, uh, they would probably look at it differently. I had lunch with a pastor of a megachurch. I, I, I speak in large churches. I'm invited to speak in very large churches. I had lunch with a pastor of a very large church, and he wanted to have a Bible study with me to understand this messianic thing. And so we had our Bibles, you know, uh, and we had a long, very long lunch <laughs> into the afternoon mm. going over this messianic thing. And he saw the scriptures, saw what Paul taught, saw what the New Covenant, the New Testament teaches. And he said, you know, if we were in the first century, we would all be messianic, wouldn't we? I said, absolutely. But what stops you from doing it now? And now you have to remember, this is a pastor of a megachurch, very trendy, a very trendy <laughs> megachurch. And he said, oh, my people would never stand for that. Right. And I would say, hold on a second. You recognize what the Bible teaches, but you have to, you're now you're you're basically compromising because of what people might say. Mm -hmm. He says, Well, that's it might be too big, a little too far a bridge to cross here for us, you know. I said, you know, you have to pray about that. Mm -hmm. Because this is the you know, this is what people uh, quite honestly 
get into their heads pastors who hear me teach. Uh, they they kind of recognize I'm speaking very biblically. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking from a strong New Covenant perspective, uh, from right. a very strong New Testament perspective, and they can't deny it. On the other hand, uh, how would they ever bring up uh, that we're going to celebrate Passover and not Easter, uh, that we're going to celebrate the resurrection uh, during Passover week, right. you know, at first fruits, uh, how would they ever get over that? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because they're people, now listen carefully to the words I'm using. Their people have been acculturated, not discipled. Mm-hmm. They have been acculturated in that they're able to fit into the culture of the church, but they're not discipled. Mm-hmm. In the word of God, they're taught how to fit in properly to their particular communities, right. whether it's raising your hands when everyone else does, uh, whether it's shutting up when everyone else does or whatever it may be. And so they're acculturated, not discipled. Wow. Yes. Uh, because wow. Yes. It, and, and to think of discipleship, which churches generally don't do. I mean, they basically, you know, accept people into their membership, uh, you know, uh, more easily, uh, you know, than they would ever marry someone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they probably do more follow up and more, you know, more, more of a background check on, on marrying someone than they would ever do bringing someone into the congregation. And they may be bringing the fox into the hen house. They don't even know. They just vote them right in or whatever, you know, right. uh, the person, they just mouthing words or whatever. Uh, And so we want to understand uh, that there's really uh, an issue that, uh, as you can hear it, Stephanie, it's a profound issue. It is. uh, That the church, the body of Messiah, I don't even like to use the word church. It's not a Bible word. It's just a a traditional Mm -hmm. word uh, that's been utilized. Uh, You know, the word ecclesia should be translated, if you're going to do you know, it could be congregation or synagogue, uh, synagogue as it is in James mm-hmm. chapter two, verse two, you know, uh, in which it should be translated assembly could be a synagogue, but they translated it uh, at best assembly uh, because they didn't want to confuse Christians about Christians going to synagogue. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, and so ecclesia should be translated congregation, mm-hmm. uh, et cetera. So, uh, but nonetheless, Uh, The fact of of the matter is that uh, there needs to be a full court press on this matter. And it's not in any way to make me feel good about myself, uh, take me out of the picture. It's for the body to fulfill its calling and the importance of that. And let me just, may I take a moment to explain about the importance of that? Yes, please. The importance of the calling upon the Gentile believers is of such significance that it almost goes beyond the time frame for our discussion. That's why I write these books. Because the Apostle Paul, or Rav Shaul, as he's sometimes called, the Apostle Paul laid out that it would be the Gentile believers making Israel jealous, desirous, the word in the Greek for jealous, zelotes, zealous, 
zealous for Messiah. Uh, in, in doing that, that would trigger the second coming. Because Paul writes in verse 26, Romans eleven twenty-six, and thus all Israel will be saved. For a redeemer will come from Zion, removing ungodliness from Jacob. And this is the covenant I will make with them as I, when I take away their sins. So the second coming is tied to the repentance of Israel. That's why Hasatan, Satan, has been trying to get false teaching into the body of Messiah to, if possible, to eradicate all things Jewish certainly not to have to the Jew first, uh, to remove the whole calling, because the calling upon the Gentile believer is so significant, and strategically he tries to stop that witness, uh, that, that calling, uh, because that's going to bring about the second coming, and so Satan right now is at liberty, prowling like a lion, seeking him to devour, but when the second coming occurs, he is bound for a thousand years. So Satan is trying to stop the program of God. And the program of God is, uh, is focusing upon the Gentile believer to fill their calling to the Jew first, uh, to understand their calling. You say, why the Gentile? Because this shows the grace of God. When Gentile believers love Jewish people, when they will give up their liberty, their conveniences, their comforts to reach out to Jewish people, this shows the work of God in their soul. This is their testimony uh, when they're able to reach effectively the Jewish people around them and around the world. This is the big picture. This is what God is doing. What the Apostle Paul was teaching the Gentile believers everywhere about their calling. So the Gentile believers would get on the same page with God's redemptive program uh, and be a witness to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. That's so good. There's so much there. For someone like me, someone who maybe hasn't even studied as much as a, of the Jewishness of the gospels as I have, but it's, it's about, it's, I don't know. It might be taking baby steps, just doing and getting into it because there's so much pressure really within the Christian church to basically be like everybody else. Just like you said, it's it, when you start going outside the box in the church, whether especially even your denomination, you know, there's some pushback. Like I remember just being in the church and hearing the Lord speak to me. And sometimes I would say like, you know, the Lord spoke to me and and I really felt led to do this. And it's like, oh, he speaks to you and he doesn't speak to me. So what makes you so special? I mean, that kind of sarcasm. And then and then even um, when my husband and I decided to give up pork and not eat it and, and go on more of a um, clean foods eating style, then there was even pushback, like, you know, being made fun of or being chastised for, like from yeah. just different people yeah. in the church. And, and the, you don't, you know, we don't get yeah. it. 
but you guys, Jewish people go through that constantly. And then you have the, the church saying, well, you just need to be Christians like us. And it's like, and I, I've said this before yeah. and I'll say it again, but no, that's not true. You can remain a Jewish yes, believer in Messiah. You can yeah. practice everything that the Lord has given us in yeah. the yeah, Torah. Yeah. And we are invited to join that. We are invited to learn. We are invited to to worship with the Jewish people in their worship yes. style of the Messiah. Of yeah. Yeah, for for both worship and witness. Let me go back to something uh, that was brought up. Uh, you know, the food issues. It seems like when I when I I remember speaking in a number of churches, uh, and I take question and answer, uh, and I remember uh, the whole everything they bring up is what about what you eat, uh, like as if you know that's the most more most important thing is you know will I be able to get my bacon. Uh, with my eggs, is that, you know, it's like how big a deal could that possibly be? Because you know, but in any case, uh, the matter of that rabbi, that Orthodox uh, Jewish man, uh, who said that he was good to go uh, because he's the chosen people. Mm-hmm. I need to just let me address that for our listeners, if I may. In that, there's two things they need to understand. The Jewish people, as a people, are chosen uh, for God's purposes. And that is to bring the Messiah into the world. And secondly, for the second coming, for they need to look unto him whom they have pierced. And so the repentance of Israel triggers the second coming. Uh, So understand the Jewish people as a people group are chosen. But the individual Jew is lost until they come to faith in Yeshua. Uh, But the nation is chosen for God's purposes. Now, this gets confused. So that many people think the Jewish people are saved or have their own covenant or something foolish like that, something false like that. Uh, But no, no, the, 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 the truth of the matter is, that uh, the, that Israel as a people group, uh, I'll make of you a people, he told Abraham. As a people group, they are secured. You know, that, that uh, as Jeremiah says, you know, you have to remove the stars from the sky, Jeremiah 31, 35 to 37. You have to remove the stars from the sky before I remove Israel before me as a people. And so the Israel as a people are secure. But the individual Jewish person is lost unless they come to personal faith in Yeshua. That's right. Uh, That's a vitally important issue that needs to be discussed. It's not discussed enough. Uh, It's misunderstood by far too many people. Uh, Many Jewish people misunderstand the matter as well. Uh, Secular Jewish people feel embarrassed by the idea of chosen people. To them, it sounds like ethnic chauvinism. Mm. You know, uh, and many Orthodox sometimes think of it uh, chauvinistically that somehow we are better than they are. And I think the world sees it that way sometimes, too. So we have to be very careful. I just wanted to address that, mm-hmm. if I might, for the sake of those who may get confused on this matter in their witness. That's excellent information. Yeah. And the issue of food issues, um, you know, 
I, I remember I was teaching at um, a training center. I won't mention the denomination. I'm brought in by denominations to give training to their missionaries uh, to reach Jewish people. Um, I'm like a deep throat for many groups. Uh, but in any case, I, so I was doing teaching and training there. I spoke to one of the other uh, trainers, one of the other professors, uh, on the matter. And he said to me, well, you're a missionary to the Jews, aren't you? I said, well, yeah, I am. Uh, and he said, well, I can never do that. And I said, why could you never do that? You know, because in my mind, I'm thinking all Gentile believers should be missionaries to the Jews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to the exclusion of Gentiles. <laughs> but they all should be said. I said, so why could you do that? And he looked at me and he said, you know, honestly, I couldn't give up my pork. I need to eat my now. I just thought to myself, who says those things out loud? <laughs> who such a silly things out loud? You know, maybe a joke, but what a ridiculous thing to say. Who would ever say, no, no, I can't fulfill my calling because I like another kind of food or something like that. Right. You know? yes. I mean, if that be the case, if it was all based on food, all Jewish people would be called to reach the Chinese, uh, especially on Christmas. At all, the kingdom of God is not food and drink. Right. But we utilize food Mm -hmm. relative to our calling. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, the kingdom of God is not based on it. There's no righteousness in food and drink, but we utilize these secondary matters. I'm going to speak to that right now uh, for the sake of our calling. So let me just mention on that point, Stephanie, if I might. Yes. There are primary and secondary matters in the Bible. A lot of believers are unaware of this. There's not proper discipleship done to uh, teach uh, believers these matters. And so many people in the churches don't understand this. Uh, They don't understand primary and secondary. But this is exactly what Yeshua taught. Uh, You remember, of course... He taught us, he's told us there were the, the greatest commandment, and second to it, love God, love others. So if there's greatest commandments, he also said in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse 19, there's the least of commandments. He also said in Matthew 23, 23, uh, there are weightier matters of the Torah that you tied mint and cumin, well enough, but you should have done that without neglecting the weightier matters. Mm-hmm of the Torah. So there are weightier matters and lighter matters. Mm -hmm. There are greater commandments and lesser commandments, primary matters and secondary matters. And so we want our people to be trained to understand these matters. And so where our fellowship, yours and mine, uh, is even though you're a Gentile, I'm a Jew, you're a female, I'm a male, but our unity, our fellowship uh, is in Messiah. Where two are gathered and two or three gathered in his name. And so uh, his lordship is primary. Uh, this is a primary matter of faith. Uh, whereas food issues are secondary, where days of the week are secondary, where the festivals are secondary. That's why we don't judge one another according to food, drink, 
uh, to an annual feast, a new moon, or a Shabbat. For these are all uh, foreshadows uh, of, of, things, of things to come. They are, they still are, uh, but they have to be understood. So what do we do with this? The reason secondary matters are given in the scripture is for us to live the primary matters through. So the big deal about Shabbat, the Sabbath, is because Yeshua is the Lord of the Sabbath. I grew up Orthodox. Uh, we kept Shabbat every week. It did me no good. It was of no spiritual benefit to me. There was no righteousness in keeping it. No. But And there's no righteousness in me observing it today even though the congregations we plan to meet on Shabbat for the most part, of course. But nonetheless, the purpose is to glorify the Lord of the Shabbat and to be a living testimony, remember, worship and witness, and to be a living testimony to the Jewish people that the Messiah is the Lord of the Shabbat. Uh, and so these secondary matters are not means of righteousness. No, all are righteous in Yeshua. But they are a means uh, for us to live out the primary matters through. And so Paul said regarding food issues, what's more important than what I eat? Well, loving my brothers and sisters. And so he says in 1 Corinthians 8, I will not eat meat again if it makes my brother stumble. Uh, so loving one another is a primary matter. Uh, and so we want to understand the gifts of the Spirit are secondary matters. What's primary is 1 Corinthians 13. The gifts are meant to be instruments of love, edification to the body. But when you see in the gifts some kind of thing in and of itself, you're missing the point that, to, that for edification, he says in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, not for uh, self-serving purposes. And so we want to understand all these secondary matters uh, and understand that through them, we live out the primary matters. Uh, we need to be properly taught on this. Otherwise, we may major in the minors. Uh, people can major in the minors. Uh, they can somehow think uh, that the Christian faith is having uh, Sunday worship or something like that. Uh, that it's somehow being able to eat pork uh, or something vain and foolish like that. They don't understand uh, that the faith is about Yeshua and his finished work. Uh, I would have made no, nothing known to them but Messiah and him crucified. Uh, this is what our faith is about. And we express that to the Jew first to show the faithfulness of God to Israel and the nations. So good. Very, very good. Yeah. Our books, as I mentioned, uh, if you get our, go to our website, our newsletter we send out every month, we're happy to send it to people. If you go to our website, you can sign up for it if you wish. Uh, but we want people to be edified uh, in their calling. We want them to not only get some bits and pieces of knowledge, you know, to talk about around the water cooler, uh, but we want to help them in their calling and understanding uh, the vital importance of what we're doing here uh, to demonstrate God's faithfulness uh, to Israel and the nations, uh, and also to communicate 
the great work of Messiah, the finished work, even to the Jew first. These are things of vital importance. Yes. Amen. So thank you so much. I appreciate all that you've given us to think about because, and I hope that anybody who's listening just kind of dwells on that a little bit processes. It takes time and even listening to you more than once, because I think there's so much information that you have given us that it does it good to think about it. It does it. It justifies a second think, a third thinking, you know, just to ponder. I know, I know. Yeah. Listen, this is why people say listening to me speak is like taking a drink from a <laughs> fire hose. It's not necessarily because I talk fast. It's because I have all these ideas all bunched together that need some unpacking. Yes. Unpacking is an excellent word because that is what I think we need to do. Once we hear it, we unpack it. You know, we pray about it. We go to the word of God about it. You know, don't just dismiss what you've said. Don't just dismiss it as, oh, well, that's just for the Jews. No, it's, it's for all of us who, who follow the Messiah. Sure. And we need to understand it better as people, as uh, followers of Jesus. So, yes, yeah, so please ponder on this. Listen to it more than once if you need to and pray. Because I, I think that we can all be benefited in so many ways by what you're teaching sure. and Absolutely. understanding. And, and, you know, uh, we're one body. We're in this together. Mm-hmm. Some of us have... Uh, different areas that we're strong in. So iron sharpeneth iron. And so there's many believers in churches that have so much to teach me uh, about many matters uh, that they're profoundly mature in, uh, that I'm still struggling with. And so there's areas that I I have uh, to to share with them uh, as well. We're in this together. And remember, when you reach out to Jewish people, uh, please be careful uh, of, of thinking that they come uh, fully prepared. Uh, they need to be discipled to understand uh, their, their identity as useful for testimony, but having no righteousness in itself. We don't want to put Jewish believers on a pedestal. Uh, we're all cut from the same bolt of cloth. We all need the blood of Yeshua. He is our everything. And so Jewish believers, like Gentile believers, have to be properly discipled because the undiscipled believer is the dysfunctional member of the body. The undiscipled, they may be saved, but they're not grounded and rooted. They're undiscipled. And they're dysfunctional. They're a bone out of joint, as Hebrews puts it. Uh, They're not as functional as they can be and should be. And so discipleship is vitally important for both Jews and Gentiles who come to faith in Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, as some I know. And let me let uh, your listeners know that uh, encourage your pastor to invite me to come speak in the church. Uh, I love my brothers and sisters. I speak the truth in love. Uh, And it would be very edifying. And I'm happy to speak to the issues and be whatever help we can be to my brothers and sisters in churches relative to their calling and our calling together in this matter. And go to our website, wordthemessiah.org. We have a lot of free things for you uh, to help you grow 
in your calling and in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Sam Nadler. And again, his ministry is the Word of Messiah Ministry. So please check him out there. And I just appreciate so much of what you've taught us today and what you've shared from your heart. Thank you. Shalom, y'all. Thanks for listening to Grafted Jewish Roots of Christianity. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and recommend it to your friends and family. And don't forget to check out my Bible study, Jewels of Hebrews. That's all for today. See you next time.